That oh, hasn't man. happened in a very long time. Take two. <laughs> We're recording the show. Congratulations. You found volume one of the Rock of Shame podcast, the roughest, toughest, newest musical discovery podcast in the universe. I am your host, the bad boy, Bryce Reed. I am joined by the evil genius, Greg Plord. How it do? And the stream daddy, Drew Peak. Sup, Twist Chat. Poggers. <laughs> Try, like, everyone try to remember what you said and then just say that again. <laughs> if you're new to the show, let me give you the good news. Each week, three hunky music boys and sometimes guests select a new musical artist group, uh, someone we've never really listened to, and we spend the whole week immersing ourselves in the art and culture and the world of that artist, only to return here the following week and tell you all about it. You can listen along with us. And we will soon incorporate other ways for the folks at home to be a part of the action. If you're hearing this with no context, we just <coughs> recorded easily half an hour of this show without ever hitting the record button because I have no fucking idea what I'm doing over here. If you want to help us grow, support the show. The only way is to let the world know. Share us on Facebook, on Twitter. Tell your friends. Tweet us out at Rock of Shame on Twitter. Or you can watch the show live every Wednesday night over at twitch.tv slash thickboydrewski. That's with two C's and the boy ends with an I. Thick boy Drewski, please uh, come and join us on the show where you can watch the first half an hour of the show twice. Uh, <laughs> but most importantly, just for now, please subscribe on any podcast platform that you have available to you. We're on everything now. Our distribution has gone through everywhere. We've we've gone through all the all the uh, referrals and and everything that you need to do to get that done. So we should be up anywhere that you uh, get your podcast. If not, please tweet us out and be like, hey, you're not on this platform yet. Can you figure it out? And I'll try to do what I can. I want to um, see your faces on YouTube. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, if we can manage to get a whole fucking recording done, then 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 we'll see. Uh, we'll consider it. <laughs> God damn it, I'm out of ginger ale now. Oh, great, great. Uh, of course, uh, join with us every week as we uh, band together and sort of comb through these musical backlogs uh, here on the internet. Uh, new music talk. <laughs> this is the hardest one to do because this was all like kind of off the cuff. This stuff. The new uh, Boston single, The Kinging, Killing of Georgie uh, Part 3. I dig it. Uh, maybe uh, not to the extent that I dug the second single off the record, which I would I would recommend above this one. Uh, uh, I Don't Believe in Anything, which I think is a magnificent uh, song, both lyrically and melodically. But uh, for me, uh, that uh, this, this new single uh, is, uh, you know, good is not the enemy of perfect, as I said the last time I talked about this fucking uh, song. And uh, I'm excited for the record on uh, May 5th, I think it is. May 8th, May 7th, something like that. Whenever the uh, first Friday of May is, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Greg, please uh, tell us for the very first time about the records that came out this week that you're excited about. Well, for those who don't know, there is a band from Vermont called Boys Cruise. Oh, I've heard of them. I, I heard of them recently. They're from Vermont, right? Yeah, yeah somebody, somebody told me about them. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> That's crazy. 
For those who don't know Boys Cruise, they're kind of like a indie pop kind of band with a bit of a lo-fi distortion on the vocals, a bit of punky kind of energy, sort of power pop type of energy. And it's just a really awesome, catchy record from front to back. I would highly recommend the listen. It's easily going to be on my uh, year-end top 50 so far. Um, Is that on stream services or Bandcamp or what? Uh, it's on Spotify. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's on Bandcamp and other streaming services as well. I don't know about their physical distribution, if you can get a vinyl or just a CD or what the deal is with that. But I do know that it should be on all streaming services. Um, and I also agree with you, Bryce. I do like the new Boston single quite a bit. Um, actually, myself, I think I might like it a little bit better than the last one, personally. Mm. Yeah. Um, only just because I do like sort of that weird experimentation with the more 70s stadium rock-ish kind of vibe that it has going for it. I, yeah, I think the uh, outro that... for it might be going a little bit too long for my taste. It could have easily been just four minutes. But for what it is, I do kind of like, especially the use of piano. I love the piano work in that song. Yeah. But, um. And that's ki- I think that's kind of the idea behind the title with the sort of Rod Stewart reference that they're doing in the title, The Killing yeah. of Georgie Part 3, right? And so they're ki- they're kind of trying to evoke that sort of 70s feel, and I think that they mostly do it here. Um, there were just some sort of structural things for me that didn't made me feel like it didn't hit as hard as I wanted it to in certain ways. Yeah. But and maybe in the context of the album, maybe it'll sound even better depending on what song it transitions from or into also like yeah. the album experience. Maybe it'll add a little bit of a different quality too. Correct. I'm ex- I'm excited to see what they do with that. And we're going to, of course, there's going to be sort of a longer discussion about that album on when it actually drops uh, in mm. next month. So, uh, yeah. which is why I'm kind of glad. I feel like maybe I was a little in depth the first time we talked about this. And I was like, wait, I should say that till the actual fucking record comes out or whatever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, Drew, hey, Drew uh, what about you? Yeah. Have you have you heard anything new? Please. Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't repeating myself. <laughs> it would have been great. It would have been great if you recommended something else completely different. Yeah. Uh, so Diplo re- recently dropped a track with Suicide Boys and this very strange Estonian rapper named Tommy Cash, and it's weird, but it's kind of cool and it's sort of dark. But yeah, very, uh, very interesting. Um, yep, that's about it. Go check it out if you want. <laughs> it's definitely super dark. The Suicide Boys are a rap group from New Orleans, and they uh, apparently, Bryce and Greg, I know you don't know this, but their kind of coming up story is very dark, where uh, they decided after really grinding for like the last year before they kind of reached a little bit of some fame, that they would kill themselves if they didn't make it, and because mm. music is everything to them and all that. So that's why they're called the Suicide Boys, is because, uh, yeah, they're dark like that. It's and, very, uh, very melodramatic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> You know, I don't really know what it's like living in New Orleans, but sure. I've heard a lot of people saying it's like dark. It's got some voodoo vibes. You know, uh, people can get um, a little dark down that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can get a yeah. little evil, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, death is much more normal. You know what I yeah. mean? Sure. But anyways, so that's that's about it. That is pretty neat. You know, nice and mm. nice and dark and evil. Yeah. Uh, coming from a Do guy who typically makes music uh for girls to shake their ass to and instead mm. he's like yeah i'm gonna make a track that's super dark for these dark rappers you know you know what drew i like that uh <laughs> do you want me to do this suicide girls joke again no we'll, we'll move on we'll move on i think on. we just move uh, on oh yeah well <laughs> 
Go- Goose knows what I'm talking about. She likes Ghost Mane too. It's like oh, nice. definitely a part of that that subgenre of rap for sure. Good fucking uh, shit. Thank you from the Twitch. Uh, people people in the Twitch chat, uh, the show should be like one big party, so feel free to chime in, and, and yeah. if, if you have anything, then then Drew will bring it up. You know. Yeah, Meech mentioned um, that Greg should say Powerpuff more times, and if he did, he was going to start tallying it in the chat. <laughs> He's going to go one, and then two. But, power but luckily, pop. Power pop, you mentioned when power you were talking pop. about uh, your really oh, cool Oh, yeah, with band. boys crews. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be saying that with Run DMC, so I think that tally is going to be pretty short. <laughs> it's it's pretty much over at this point. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if this was a I Weezer would... episode, then I mean, sure. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. we're not talking about Weezer. I discussed that in episode zero. So yeah. <laughs> there's I'm your okay three. With, I'm I think. okay with not going back through Weezer's catalog. It's just going to bring up so many angsty memories from when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meech said, "I like Power Pop." <laughs> <laughs> Volume one of the Rock of Shame podcast, Run DMC. I'm going to read this uh, bit from Wikipedia for the first time. (laughs) Run DMC was an American hip-hop group from Hollis, Queens, New York, founded in 1983 by Joseph Simmons, Daryl McDaniels, and Jason Mazzell. Run DMC is regarded as one of the most influential acts in the history of hip-hop culture and one of the most famous hip-hop acts of the 1980s. Along with Beastie Boys, LL Cool J, and Public Enemy, the group pioneered a new school hip-hop music. The group was among the first to highlight the importance of the MC and DJ relationship. With the release of their first album, Run DMC became the first hip-hop group to achieve a gold record. The record that followed it was the certified platinum record King of Rock, making Run DMC the first hip-hop group to achieve this. Raising Hell became the first multi-platinum hip-hop record. Run DMC's cover of Walk This Way featuring Steven Tyler and Joe Perry charted higher on the Billboard Hot 100 than Aerosmith's original version, peaking at number four. It became one of the best-known songs of both hip-hop and rock. Run DMC was the first hip-hop act to have their music videos broadcast on MTV, appear on American Bandstand, be on the cover of Rolling Stone, perform at Live Aid, and be nominated for a Grammy Award. In 2004, Rolling Stone ranked Run DMC at number 48 in its list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. In 2007, they were named the greatest hip-hop group of all time by MTV and the greatest hip-hop artist of all time by VH1. In 2009, Run DMC became the second hip-hop group to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2016, the group received Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. In 2018, Raising Hell was inducted into the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress as being, quote, culturally, historically, or artistically significant, end quote. <laughs> uh, man, the, uh, when we talk about hip-hop in this uh, country, and by that means the world over, as it's a, a, a demonstrably American based and born kind of art form uh run dmc is like the elvis presley of hip-hop they're the fucking goats they're the goats not that they came 
first because Elvis, of course, didn't come first, but more that they were the artist that kind of made the genre early on uh, for everybody. And uh, man, reading this stuff, uh, it's it's a uh, it's an untarnishable legacy, I think, at this point from a success standpoint. The fact that they were not only the first to go gold. They were the first to go gold, the first to go platinum, and the first to go multi-platinum with different records. <laughs> That's mind-blowing, and uh, and what a legacy for this group that we get into before we even talk about the career and the records. Uh, I, it's important to note, I ate the whole thing this week. I managed to get through all the records. Uh, there's only about seven of them on Spotify, uh, which is uh, has their whole catalog. It also has uh, a live album from 2001, a collection of 12-inch uh, mix singles, uh, a greatest hits album, and uh, an album of instrumentals as well. Um, but we can go through kind of album by album this after we get uh through uh just talking about our general thoughts because i think that's kind of what's uh most exploratory the thing i want to talk about first is uh two things first of all it won't be this way every week if it's a huge artist that uh has 30 albums or whatever then it's not going to be something where we go through with notes and we're like and then this album and then this album and here's what i liked about it. it's going to be more of a general discussion show when the artists are bigger and the format's going to change based on uh how big the artists are uh the other thing that's worth noting Noting is uh, one week is not nearly enough time to study up on an artist, uh, it, uh, no matter the size of their catalog. And we will uh, misunderstand information, misrepresent information, and and uh, uh, straight up spread falsehoods about every band uh, that we uh, that we talk about on this show. Um, so if you have a comment about uh, how we're fucking wrong and stupid, dumb idiots or whatever, please tweet us at go fuck yourself uh, because I, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. Uh, I'm t- we're just here to talk about the artists. The show is not about us being experts. It's about us sharing this love of spending the first week with an artist. Be- if three brand new fans to an artist uh, sort of talking about how they felt about it. I'm so excited to talk with you guys because you guys have a vastly different relationship with hip hop than I do. And then each, each other does. Right. Uh, so I want to hear from Drew first because I have no idea what he thought about run DMC. Yeah. And uh, I really wasn't able to really get into the nitty gritty of it before we had to uh, restart. And so restart the entire show <laughs> rewind. Spin it back. Let's hear it, Drew, is what Goose yeah. wants to hear. Yeah. Yo, Jeff, run that back. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I mean, I'm going to start off um, because I feel like the last time before we really started recording this, I kind of came off on the wrong foot. <laughs> First of all, I really, really like DMC, run DMC a lot. I want to just start with that. Okay. I have some hangups mm-hmm. because for me, I kind of grew up with a different um, sort of like point in hip hop. I'm a little bit right. younger than people who grew up with run DMC. So I think that electric 
sort of like excitement that people had for when they first pop- popped in. Uh, you know, it wasn't like for me, I'm already like listening to like country grammar and like three, six mafia stuff. Like I'm just in the South and I'm hearing all this stuff. And it's so much more like, kind of like they're saying crazier stuff. Like, and you know, like run DMC is much more vanilla compared to like some of the content that, you know, I, I grew up with. So for me, it was a little bit kind of like, I had to kind of put myself there and like, I really had to put myself in those shoes of like what this probably meant at that time. And like, you know, I've watched some really cool movies and documentaries on like the beginning of hip hop. And like, you know, really what it starts with is like, it starts with the DJs, the graffiti, the break dancing, and then the MCs kind of came in, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that the rocking the mic thing, like, you know, that, that really like they like DMC, came out with all the tricks, like, right off the bat. You know, like, they've got, you know, like, the kill, like the killer rhymes after rhymes after rhymes. They're talking about certain things that, like, you don't hear in, like, other songs, you know what I mean, at the time. Like, they're really, they're talking about shit that they feel like talking about. And, you know, they're, they're keeping it kind of more radio-friendly, obviously. And, like, at the beginning, you know, they got a little more nitty, you know, they got a little more grittier a little bit as they moved further up. But yeah. I mean, like, yo, like, it's it's cool as shit that, like, you know, they're kind of the beginning of that. And, like, mm-hmm. the thing that I liked, I think, the most about it was the fact that, like, um, they weren't they weren't saying they're the king of rap. You right. know what I mean? They're saying they're the king of rock. And to me, that none was higher. Like, and to me, that was like. I mean, like, yo, like, when you go back in in time with, like, rap music, and even today, too, to be honest, there's still a little bit of this flavor of, like, kind of creating this persona in your rap, your rapping character, you know? Like, a lot of them look to superheroes or, like, this or that. It's, like, you kind of get, you get to escape through it, you know what I mean? And, like, they definitely, like, that King of Rock thing is, like, that's a big claim. But they're not saying they're the, they're the kings of rap. They're saying the king of rock. And, like, they rock harder than anybody else in the house. And, like... And, like, their beats really show me that, especially earlier on. Like, it just felt so, like, that's what I really wanted to talk about is, like, for me, the earlier stuff, like, I love the production of it because of the machines that they're using. And, like, for me, like, I'm obviously very, very into dance music right now. And, Mm -hmm. like, especially because I can't really play out with my rock band, you know, like, it's just all I'm listening to, really. And, like, I'm kind of, like, you know, that's where my brain's at. So, right. like, hearing all the old Detroit electro sounds that are coming out around the same time, but I'm hearing it in Run DMC because they're using the same machines is, like, badass. Like, and that's what I really clung to the most. Like, I, I really like their title album and their King of Rock album. And, like, you just hear them using these same machines that were used for this other thing. They're trying to make it, like, feel like a hard-ass rock band without having a rock band basically. Yeah. And you know, that is really fucking cool because like to me, like I realized that like when you're making all this sound, you're using all these, all this equipment, um, you can kind of like paint your own picture and like they're, they're pioneers in that as well for me. Like they're pioneers mm-hmm. in like dance, like music, you know, like electronic music in a way, because like they're using the same equipment and they're making, you know, rock music out of it somehow while rapping on it which is like fucking 
badass, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, obviously we'll talk more about, you know, the collaboration with Aerosmith and things like that. But right. I mean, just like off the cuff, like, you know, it's definitely a vibe. And like my only hangups, as I mentioned before, and this is where I'm probably going to lose goose in the chat here <laughs> is, um, it's just like the pacing of the songs are like a little sure. bit on the longer side, but like, mm. I think they're just like, I think that was just kind of an element of the time. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're a lot more kind of like short attention span now as people and shit like that. And, and I will say it changes as you move later in their discography. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And like, you know, it starts to get more radio-y like sure. as you get further in. So like they no, shortened it up. They, they end up using their time more effectively. The songs yeah. are just as long. This is a, a, a point I was going to make later, but the songs are just as long. But on those first couple of albums, they'll have these long segments at the end with no rapping but the loop it's just kind of like basking in the loop and it's not like they use that time to add some kind of solo or some kind of other thing that's happening later whereas later beats really do focus on like okay if we're gonna take more time on this song let's do something with it historical yeah. context before we move further the self-titled record is a record that was done by run and dmc most of the beats working yeah. with other various collaborators everything after that is jam master j yeah and, and like to go into that too like it's not the outros that i have issues with like mm -hmm. it's more kind of like the pacing like of like some of the songs and like those earlier ones sure. i really like i put a lot of my focus at the earlier stuff just because like the later stuff's really good too i really loved it a lot and it definitely hit more of like like the stuff I really liked about it, but like I was just really fascinated by like a lot of the older equipment they used in the eighties. Like yeah, that, yeah. that, that clung to me the most. And so mm. it's like my favorite, but it's also the one that I have like the most critiques on because of that. Mm -hmm. Like, because yeah. I think the more I like something, the more I kind of pay attention to it. And the more I kind right. of like start to pick it apart. Cause I'm also yeah. a producer and a musician. So like I can't not do it. Um, like, even if I really, really like something, I'll still pick something a part of it. But Sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah. You know, and it's easier to w wage criticisms than it is to be like, well, I didn't, uh, or I really, really liked it. You know, I really, really liked it, but is easier than I think I really, really liked it, and then nothing Yeah, else. I mean, and like, yeah. the thing about it is just, like, it's just the pacing, like, for those, like, yeah. in the middle of the songs when the hook comes back, like, five times or something like that. And I'm just like... Sure. Sure. I'm like, Ayo, like you, you guys could have probably put those two verses together there. Like I'm hearing in my head, like I'm like, like you know, you, you had sure like a you whole couldn't break. have kept the radio edit on this album. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, but like, yo, at the same time, like they're trying to rock the house and like that length, that like subject matter, it needs to, the whole thing needs to be stretched out a bit because there's not a lot of content. So like that could be an idea too of like why they kind of made it like that. Like, so it can like really, the track can play longer and it can kind of like you know, flood the airways a bit longer too. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's fucking fine. Like, and I think that that makes sense because like old, old ass, like rap music, especially cause like, in like New York, like, you know, they say the beat goes on and on and on, you know what I mean? Right. And like, that is like, that's kind of, I think the vibe they're trying to go for a bit with that too, where it's just like, it's all about the beat and it's all about like us rocking the mic, you know? And like, there's that back and forth, you know, like he says something, he says something, they're completing each other's like lyrics and stuff. And so it's like that all these like little MC tricks like kind of seem like it started with them. You know what I mean? Like right. you had mm -hmm. like obviously like Sugar Hill gang doing like each person had their part, you know, but like these guys are like literally the epitome of rocking the fucking house. Like, yeah. And oh, like yeah. that's yeah. badass, like for sure. And like you can and, feel that and, energy like in it. And 
I'll take over here before we move on to Greg, but uh, the the thing that you said that really got to me is that they call themselves the king of rock. They don't call themselves the king of rap, right? Now, most of that was probably that at the time, being the king of rap was not like a lofty goal. Um, in fact, it was probably something from a mainstream perspective that they achieved with the very first record, having outsold any other hip-hop album ever, right? Um, and hip-hop was such kind of a new thing. I mean, we're talking about something that came out of the decade prior that they were doing. Um, and so I, I really think the discussion to have here and, and why I think this music is so wonderful and why I loved it so much is um, it's rap music made in a time when like rock and roll music was kind of basking in its like fourth decade of dominance right <laughs> it was just the only thing forever uh and uh i you know and would firmly hold for another decade after this as well um and so in what they do on the you know never mind specific songs, but in the way that they structure songs and in the influences they bring in, there's jazz and there's reggae and there's blues and there's ragtime and there's Southern rock on one of these albums. And, and it's all kind and hard rock is there and original rock and roll is there. And, uh, it's like all incorporated into this thing rather than the rap music, that we hear now decades and decades later as rap music has become incredibly prominent and dominant in the industry where it's almost like a snake eating its tail. And if you ask a hip hop artist who their favorite artists are, they're all fucking hip hop guys because so fundamentally they're going to make a different kind of music than Jam Master J, who I'm sure if you ask Jam Master J who his favorite artists were, some of them might have been hip hop guys, but a lot of them rock. were probably from other genres, rock guys, right? Yeah. And that that's what they were trying to do. And and so put aside the fact that they were kind of inventing this genre, um, the biggest thing here is that an artist who is pulling influences from a, a bunch of different genres is going to pull down something that feels... And I I wonder... If this isn't why we've seen a decline in rock and roll music as well over these last few years, in, in, in conjunction with a bunch of other factors, if you get to a point with a musical genre after such a long period of, of dominance that everybody making the genre in a young stage is, for the most part, just sort of listening to older rock stuff. And at that point, yes, it's very difficult to make something that sounds new and fresh when all you're inspired by is old and done, right? And so I wonder if that's the same sort of cruel history repeating itself fate that uh, awaits uh, rap music as well uh, eventually. Uh, but it was fascinating for me to hear like, oh, this is like the genesis point for this genre from a mainstream perspective. It's built on all of these other things. It basically exists in a completely different musical world than we exist in now. And as a result, it's what, what struck me about this music and what I loved in this first week of listening to it was like the energy is unlike anything I've ever felt again since then in hip hop, even with like the beastie boys. And, uh, before we go any further, I love the beastie boys with all my heart, but I think the Elvis comparison from earlier is maybe a little bit apt because I think everything 
that Elvis did to Little Richard and and the black people that uh, were uh, really putting the work in for rock and roll, uh, the Beastie Boys kind of did to run DMC. Yeah. And listening to this catalog, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, love the Beastie Boys. Think they did their own thing. Definitely super high respect. The only reason we'll, we won't cover them on this show is because I'm too familiar with their catalog. Same. Uh, but, uh, but oh my God, listening to this, I was like, oh wow, they just stole the whole act. This the whole act is just run DMC, especially for their early stuff. They sort of branch out as they go later on, but the early Beastie Boys songs and the Beastie Boys songs that we love, it's like, oh, that it's just run. They're just doing run. I mean, everyone was uh, though, to be honest. Like yeah, everyone yeah, style sure. bi- style biting everyone style biting run DMC, like from that time period. Like they had their own thing and it was just so electric that everyone was like, I wanna do that. And like no one trademarked that shit, you know what I mean? Like so sure. obviously like that's a huge, like, huge compliment, to be honest. Like, yeah, especially I mean, in rap. I mean, like, anytime someone kind of cap copies that shit, it's kind of like, you know, like, they vibe with it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, Run DMC, basically, they were the ones that got the first gold, the first platinum. Right, like, they right, were right. really coming out with this new sound. And, of course, when a new sound comes out, everyone's like, I want to do that. Right. Everybody else, uh, it's important to note, they explode kind of out of nowhere in the middle of the 80s, right? The early to mid 80s. Everybody else is playing these fucking house parties and shit in New York and Philly and shit like that. Of course, there were artist groups who came out and were like, let's just do whatever the fuck they're doing. Only slightly different because clearly this is hitting a nerve in a way that we will be able to ride out. And then maybe once we get enough notoriety that we don't have to worry about how we're going to fucking eat anymore, then we can start doing something a little bit more experimental here. The Beatles had the same sort of situation during the, the, the British invasion where they came out big and everyone was like, Oh fuck the Beatles. And then there were a million fucking bands that sounded like the Beatles, you know, and it was the same sort of situation at this sort of, uh, birth of a revitalization of the genre because there's kind of a kind of a direct split between 50s rock and roll and what 60s rock and roll was yeah, of right course. Mm-hmm. um and so uh i i under i saw it and i understood it but specifically when it comes to the beastie boys i was like oh man it is unabat like to the point where i someone had to have been upset at some point at how close the sound was because it was it's a little wild greg greg give us your general thoughts uh, my general thoughts on Run DMC. I definitely liked a lot of their discography. Um, I do kind of look at it more at a consumer level than just, uh, cause I mean, Run DMC, we pretty much know the history. They, like you right. read off Wikipedia, they were the first to go gold, the first to go platinum, the first to go multi-platinum on separate goddamn records in sequence, mind you. The Live Aid, I want to mention this. The Live Aid thing is, is overlooked. That's incredibly important. Now, the the article lists that they were the first hip-hop group on Live Aid. They were the only hip-hop group on Live Aid. Yeah. They did one song. I know. I went back to the fucking DVD and was like, they had to have done more than one. They did one song. It was King of Rock uh, at the Philadelphia Stadium. For people who don't know, big uh, 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 charity concert that happened in 1985 Huge, massive for the world, record uh, profits held simultaneously in Wembley Stadium in London and the stadium in Philadelphia. Um, And go and watch, I mean, if you go and watch that, 
Uh, it's very clear they're kind of working through what exactly live hip hop is going to be for a concert crowd at yeah. the time, which is, uh, you know, so it's not like a super polished show, but they're in front of this sea of people. And it's not like they're, they are, they are the only hip hop, like hip hop is presented as like, Hey, look at this, like novelty thing that's happening in music right now crazy right and then they move back to all the rock artists where i think if you did that show now it would be the other way around there would be like oh. two rock groups on it yeah. <laughs> if if that yeah exactly yeah, though yeah, i mean yeah so it's why it's wild who would have thunk uh, it you know but it's important to mention Live Aid because uh, it comes up in their music a lot. Like, like it's kind of a, a pivotal point for them, like it was for basically everyone who played that day. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. But on top of the, on top of not only their commercial acclaim and their critical acclaim for all their mm-hmm. '80s work, I mean, also just not just to mention like the main reason why they were able to break that barrier was was that cover of Walk This Way by Aerosmith, it broke not only the rock-rap fusion on a mainstream level, um, but it also broke the racial barrier, because at the time, hip-hop was more predominantly, you know, sort of more um, black-centric when it came to its audience, and, of course, rock predominantly a bit more white. And now I don't you know, I don't by the way, I don't think that division is completely eroded at this point. Oh, even, no. For what it's worth. Yeah. Um, but uh, please. But, but no, it definitely helped that gateway. And especially yeah. you look at the fusions that have happened since then. I mean, the other major um, like rock and when it came to rap and metal was like Anthrax and Public Enemy doing Bring the Noise. Mm-hmm. And of course, which uh I think Scott Ian apologized for the creation of Limp Biscuit after that, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was him or if it was uh or if it was Jonathan Davis from Corn because he was actually the one that signed uh, Fred Durst on. But um, Limp Biscuit for another a different conversation. Uh, but Run DMC, uh, actually, this won't be the last time we talk about Fred Durst in this episode, but we'll we will get oh, to that. Um, yeah, Run DMC is clearly influential for a multitude of reasons and i do enjoy them i do want to get a few of their records on vinyl specifically Mm -hmm. king of rock raising hell and tougher than leather i really enjoyed those records especially tougher than leather i really enjoyed how it went a bit more fast-paced a little bit more uh of the diversity instrumentally if you're if you're ready we can go through the albums uh yeah, um, in a, in a second. I just wanted yeah. to, the last part of my general thoughts was I definitely like them. I respect them. I think more than I overall enjoyed them because I do have yeah. some of the same gripes that Drew did, especially mm-hmm. in the early stuff with sort of the flows that early '80s flow. Which and that's just me. I know that that was the early time and that was sort of the go-to flow, and it just never really clicked for me just trying to go Mm -hmm. back to all those artists but they eventually did evolve that a bit over time so that was just more kind of some of those little bits here and there in the early parts but definitely like king of rock to tougher than leather i think are absolutely great uh 90s and uh, this is where we'll get into the albums uh their later discography uh Oh boy, we'll have fun talking about that. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the albums. It starts out with Run DMC in 1984. As I stated earlier, 
I believe this is the the one that's handled mostly by Run and DMC themselves. Other various collaborators contributing beats, but Run and DMC were capable of making their own beats and, and worked on things uh, fairly regularly uh, in that regard as well. In uh, 1984, this record came out. I actually think this record is excellent, although I do agree song length is kind of an issue, but I also think the songs were maybe being created for uh, environments that I'm not considering, like 1980s nightclubs, right? And and something being long was not necessarily a problem. Uh, but I will say they get sort of better at using that time later on. And uh, I will say there were a couple of songs on 1984, the self-titled, where I was like, huh, okay, there's like another minute and a half of this song, and they're very clearly done rapping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, they're just going to keep kind of riding on this and not adding much to it. Also, there's there's one particular sample, and I know this is the wrong time to talk about it, that Jam Master J uses, and I know if you've been listening along all week that you have heard it, that sounds like a mobile phone ringing, um, and throw it in the goddamn trash. It's so... <laughs> it, he uses it on, like, literally... <laughs> five different songs across three or four albums and it's horrendous it's so it's the worst ever and every time it came up i was like i i hate this i hate i liked this song up until he started up until that point you went mother like gritting teeth just bryce gritting teeth like <laughs> like nails on a chalkboard and then it was fine the rest of the album was fine uh but he uses it a lot and it's like a, it becomes like a calling card for him, and it's bizarre because it sounds awful, and it's always mixed way too hot. But that's beside the point. Um, uh, self-titled. This was one that you guys really liked because of the older influence. I take it. Uh, it's not as much the older influence for me as is as much the um equipment. Like, yeah. I mean, I I, I should like. Why don't you talk about it first, Greg? I'll look up like what they used for it because I want to like. Okay. I want to. Yeah, I would actually be interested in the tech of it as well. Um, my experience, I did like it. Uh, again, it's one of those I respect it and sort of its place and time more than I thoroughly enjoyed it. Primarily because of one, those song lengths were they dragged, they dragged very I think, hard. I th- I think it's a development record. Yeah. No, I agree. But but just for like my own consumer experience, it's just kind of like sure. it's like okay, let's get to the next song and and some of and of course they were they were just starting out like any debut record they're gonna have some rough edges here and there uh, and of course they do have some big songs on there I think hard times especially like that weird little drum fill that pops in here and there I loved the shit out of that I didn't expect it honestly <laughs> but when it came it was like hard times and I'm like. That's dope. I want to keep listening to this. Hard Times is a six. Hard Times is like a, I would put this on a playlist that wasn't a Run DMC or old school rap playlist. Yeah. Uh, Hard Times is great. Rockbox is great. Uh, Wake Up is great. Soccer MCs is great. I love Soccer uh, MCs. Were- I think that was like one there. I've seen that on multiple greatest hits, but it's like it's very yeah. obvious. It has such that that grand intro of the sucker MCs you should have learned like it's the Hollis crew too I loved that song and uh yeah what was it oh yeah the uh uh the way it is Mm -hmm. is like that and that's the way it like it's it should sound like something I don't like 
And yet, god right. damn it, if that earworm just sticks there and you go, yeah, I like it. I think it, I think it's in the delivery. There's so much energy in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's so, it's wild that this idea, the idea is as fully formed as it is for a genre that is so new for yeah. them, right? Uh, for everybody, yeah. right? And, and they get better. I think the albums get better. But they don't really change that much. It's like a a, a, a process of just like tightening things. Yeah, it's like a refinement, um, pretty much. Their right. whole 80s catalog, I consider kind of like a refinement from the first one all the way to Tougher Than Leather. There's there's like the yeah. obvious, you know it's a run DMC record from one to four. It's just this one has this type of feeling to it. This one has this style this improvement to it with some of the production stuff. And of course, Jam Master J has a massive influence on that. But Right, um, so Jam Master J comes in for King of Rock. Right. King of Rock, I actually think, is a bit of a step down from self-titled. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Personally, <laughs> that's the one for me where I actually preferred... The feel and the songs on self-titled. I don't think I don't think King of Rock has a song that I like as much as Hard Times. Um, and and Jam, you know Jam Jam Master J with them, Raising Hell and Tougher Than Leather Leather are a different story mm-hmm. than how I feel about King of Rock. But King of Rock for me, I th- I do not like as much as the self-titled. Uh, there's a lot more focus on the DJ. The cuts are way longer than they are on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it often doesn't. Uh, this was the one where I noticed them not using the length to really add things to anything it was just like it was so focused on the dj that it was like him just like running these beats out for sometimes a minute or two after they had been done rapping that's fair um i think uh the uh kush grove uh, three does that and which i actually did like that track for how like instrumentally it does kind of have a little bit of a uh, that weirder texture but it's it's kind of like a hey jude situation where literally You know the first half of the song ends at three minutes, and then it's just three minutes of a completely different thing, and it's just Jam Master J fucking around with the instrumental. Right. I liked it, but I can understand why someone would go, this is still going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit of a gong show there. King of Rock, uh, the title track I did like, You Talk Too Much is a classic um, that I had some familiarity with before heading into this. And It's Not Funny, I think, was a really great song as well. Um, although I will say, th- if you're the person who like struggles with the uh, the sort of them using the same flow over and over again, I think this record kind of suffers from it the worst. Uh, because uh, You Talk Too Much and It's Not Funny are very close in, in oh, what yeah. they do. As, as oh, yeah, no, the flow, the flow is definitely would get to me on this record. I think... I think yeah. it's because of Jam Master J why I thoroughly enjoyed this record. I think more so mm-hmm. than I did the debut because I think it's a bit more textured instrumentally. And while I do agree that some of the songs do go on for just way too long, I think yeah. just the way that Jam Master J approaches the instrumentals and the beats, I that just ca- caught my attention right away. And which actually, mm-hmm. we should get back to Drew. Did you find anything on what equipment they used? I most certainly did, Greg. And oh boy, boy, tell oh me the goods. It was super rudimentary, like barely anything was used, man. Like <laughs> and that's fucking awesome because like that's what makes fucking sick beats sometimes. It's just like super simple shit. Like Yeah. Uh that's from my own experience too. Like for okay, so like let me start with first with like anytime I made hip hop beats 
when I was younger um, for rappers in Tennessee, it was always the one that I just put together in like 20 minutes that oh, like I could like put like eight hours in, make some great sounds and stuff, like great elements to it. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. The one, I get to that one though. That's like throw away like a loop that I spent like 20 minutes on. They're like, oh shit. Like, yo, <laughs> this is the one. This is the one right here. And I'm just like, I spent so little well, time on this fucking beat, <laughs> dude. I won't, I won't speak to anybody else's experience, but I experience, I've experienced that with songwriting as well, where the ones that bang are the ones that come easy. Yep. And, and going the ones that the ones that you we pound our heads against in the basement for two hours and then go fuck this and go to Taco Bell, right? Uh, those are the ones that next week we're like, hey, you want to try that other one we did last week? And everyone's like, no, it sucks. Let's do something else. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, if you have to if you have to work for it, it it comes out. It, it's typically not as good as something that just like comes. No, honestly, yeah. like, and here's the thing, right? Like, they, so what what. What Jay used was uh, he used an Oberheim DMX, mm-hmm. and that was for a lot of sampling synths, or well, for synths and like drum patterns and stuff. And on top of that, he just scratched. Right. And like this is like literally how people made hip hop back then. But it's like that was his tool. And dude, like most people use like an MPC, but like not not Jay. Like Jay used the fucking Oberheim, which is like. That's that's the sounds like that's a lot of what they used for uh, Detroit Electro, yeah, right. And that was the that was the name of the thing I was trying to remember. But like, yo, like the sounds that he made with it, like and like the scratching on top of it, like, oh my god, like that's what did it for me. And like, obviously, like the self title one's great. Um, and like, I started with King of Rock. Like, I didn't go self title right. first. I went King of Rock first because I was like, this is the one that I've heard so much about blah 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 and like man like you know they got like you know all these different elements and stuff that jay's trying to bring in with like you know like the the your blind one for me was kind of like the one that i was like yo this is sick because like (laughs) i wanted to like the other some of the other ones that were more like like kind of basic you know but i love that he put like rock guitar in it was just like you're blind like i was just like yo like it's just like i don't know for me like it just kind of felt like like 80s badass like kind of like hey you know what i mean like there is somewhere out there in the multiverse a version of hip-hop where uh limp biscuit and new metal and shit like never happened and uh never came in and just took a big shit over rock guitars with rapping uh and and somewhere in that that multiverse in that alternate dimension uh rap music still has fucking heavy rock guitars and drums and shit in it and that's i want to move there (laughs) i know you do party like a rock star had like a cool guitar rock riff in it and stuff like Great. Was that was that the one that by like what the Pet Shop Boys or something? Yeah, party dude, like I a think rock. it was. Nah, wait, like wait, what's it? Hold on. I mean, I, so, so, 
they put out King of Rock in 1985, and then they go and they get the Live Aid gig in July of 1985. It's important to mention it here because it's like brought up in their catalog later, uh, most notably on Raising Hell in 1986. It was Shop Boys, not Pet Shop Boys, by the way. Ah. Oh, okay. Pet Shop. I think Pet Shop Boys is something like very different. I'm pretty sure. Probably. Pet Shop Boys to Men. Um, <laughs> so many boys groups. <laughs> uh, Raising Hell, 1986, which I think is a mega album. Uh, I fucking adored this album. Uh, Return to form for them where I feel like the mix between the focus on the DJ and the focus on the MC is really dialed in. Uh, And they're really working with each other to make something that's like kind of better than the sum of its parts. Uh, It's an awesome mix. I liked basically every song on this record and the record as a whole, um, which is not something that happens for me with a ton of records. But this one, I was like, I wouldn't cut any songs from this record at all. I think this record is amazing. Um, I think Walk This Way is a triumph uh, before we talk about the actual standout tracks for me. I wish the world had more songs that feel mm-hmm. like Walk This Way feels when I listen to it. Like I put that record on and I'm like, Fuck yeah, dude. You know, like, it's fucking awesome. It's so good. Uh, You know, and it's, like, corny and silly and dumb, but it's good. It's so good. The best part about (laughs) it is that it's literally just a cover, but it just works the way that Run DMC approached it so well. And originally, what was going to happen was that they just wanted to sample, I think they just wanted to sample the Walk This Way riff. And then, right. j- literally, Jam Master J and, uh, and, uh, why am I forgetting his name? Who, uh... Steven Tyler. Not, not Steven Tyler. It was, a uh, Rick, um, Def Jam. What's his name? Oh, uh, uh, oh, man. I, I feel uh, stupid I don't for forgetting his name. But basically, like, he and Jam Master J were like, oh, no, this is gonna be a straight-up cover. In fact, we're gonna get yeah. the, we're gonna get... Not we're gonna get Steven Tyler and we're gonna get Joe Perry right on this song, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And it yeah, phenomenal. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, some other ones I really like from this record: Tricky, Proud to Be Black, Peter Piper, Dumb Girl. I mean, let's ext- extol the virtues of Dumb Girl as a track. Uh- <laughs> I hated that hook so goddamn. That was like the one song I just was just like. This is dumb, and I just like went on. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, that's oh, the one man. I keep I skipping that. every time. I'm like, I love, I, fucking I love hate that this song because it it teeters on the edge of being incredibly sexist, but it's like not. Nah. It's specifically talking about somebody who is dumb who happens to a be girl, a girl. Yeah. yeah, but it's not saying like all girls are dumb. It's saying she is a, a she's a dumb girl, and so it feels kind of naughty to to listen to it now. And to on to be honest, when we looked at a rap artist from the 80s i was like the at some point we're gonna have to have a conversation about about uh the sort of changing times here but even even in context of 2021 there was a lot less of their catalog that i was like ooh, couldn't do that now than i thought there was going to be with run dmc a lot of their stuff as far as like sexism and transphobia and stuff like that specifically like it wasn't really there in a big way. I want to talk about my Adidas uh, because I th- I think 
it's a tr it's a track, man. Okay, there are a lot of like moral implications to kind of talk about with this song because at face value, it's a fucking shoe commercial uh, on the record that people paid money for, right? But it's so much more than that, which I loved. If you dig into the and and this may be. Uh, a little bit of uh, uh, English professor subtext reading on my part, and I'll admit that. But when I listened to that song, I was like, this is a beautiful song about how this person wears the same shoes when they go to the grocery store that they do when they're on stage at Live Aid, right? And how if the shoes are the same, then the person is can be the same person going back and forth between those two worlds, right? When he's in Hollis and when he's in front of a hundred thousand people. Right. Uh, and I don't know if they ever went down and did Rio. I'm sure they must've done rock and Rio at some point where they would have done a bunch of people like that too. So, uh, I thought there was, you know, for a song that at face value is a fucking, it's like a blatant shoe endorsement on this fucking record as a song. I felt like there was some really beautiful subtext there and, and it was a shoe commercial. I mean, it got them probably a lot of free Adidas. And uh, it, it's worth noting because you can hear it on the uh, the deluxe versions that are on Spotify. Uh, it got them uh, a tour sponsorship for like the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. That, that sponsorship was Big Bank. And that lasted forever. <laughs> I wonder how you guys feel about the implications of doing a track like this as an artist something that's so blatantly commercial when it ended up getting them so much money to go and do other things and at the end of the day they did put a significant amount of art into it and it did uh you know like it's one track on the album and you could just skip it if you hate it you know so i wonder how you guys feel about because I, I think if an artist did it now if an artist came out and did a song that was like about their how much they love their fucking nikes or whatever uh i think they get filleted no they wouldn't no they know. wouldn't at you all they would so? totally not like that's literally okay. Shoe culture is so massive in hip hop, man. Like, I guess, you know, I guess specifically with shoes, but like, someone came out and did a song about how much they love their Toyota Tacoma or whatever, right? Like, that's good. That would I feel mean, like, like... Yo, like, whatever's hot is hot. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the time, like, <laughs> dude, like, I'm telling you right now, like, with rap music, yeah. like, you you tell it, you're, you're keeping it real. You know what I mean? And, like, for that, it, it, it sure. for me, like, it wasn't, it did not really, I wasn't like, Oh, it's such a plug. Like, it's such a plugging yeah. of Adidas. It was like, yo, Adidas are hot. Adidas are very hot. I am a big fan. And please sponsor me, Adidas. I, I'm probably coming at it from a rock and roll perspective where that would be completely not allowed. 100%. Right? It's a whole different thing. Whereas in hip hop, maybe because of this song, it totally is. And it's fine. Right? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, like, yeah, dude, well, like, it, it, we got, we got, like, we got people talking about Jordans. We got people talking about this and that. Like, people sure. talk about what car, like, you know, like, fucking what, what cars they have. What's... Yeah, like, Waka Flocka has a song called Rooster, Rooster in My Rari, which is like him saying how he gets head in his Ferrari, and he loves sure. his Ferrari like so much, and also obviously blowjobs. Um, mm -hmm. But <laughs> I mean, like, what I'm trying to say is that um, plugging Adidas as someone who probably just likes the fucking shoe is not sure. so far out there, especially for rap music. Like, 
Yeah. Right. So, not for rap music. Yeah. But I wonder, I do wonder about the chicken egg uh, sort of situation there. I was thinking about that too. Is that the case because hip hop is like that? Or is that the case because people forever were like, fucking run, did it? Nah, so here's like, why I don't think that is the case is because since forever, like, especially in New York, like you, mm-hmm. you can ask my buddy Meech, you might even still be in the chat, chat right now, but like you, like, as he would put it, you gotta be, you gotta keep it valid. You know what I mean? You gotta always come correct. Right. So your shoes gotta yeah. be on, you know, like on point, your, your outfits gotta be on point. Like your car's gotta be on right. point. If that's, if you're in a place where you rock a car, like obviously not mm-hmm. so much in New York all the time, but like, um, everything's about making sure you come correct with like whatever you're rocking. And like, it's gotta, right. it's gotta be hot. It's gotta be fresh. It's gotta be like new most of the time. Like, I mean, I see people with like fucking tags on their shit just to like show how new all their gear is at all times. I mean, like it's it's ridiculous, but like, yo, it's a in some places it's a big fucking flex. Like to be like, I literally just come out the store every day with new shit on. I don't yeah. clean my clothes. I, like I just buy new I, clothes like every fucking day. Like yeah. I could I could I could return this to the store at any time. I might I might return this to the I mean, store tomorrow. That's a good trick too. Like honestly, <laughs> if you're gonna be rocking tags like that, like. The fact that you can return it so easily means that you can change the wardrobe every day. And actually, that might be a good hustle right there, if you think about it. Right. It's cheaper. It's cheaper. It seems like something that makes you look more rich. But in reality, it's a baller on a budget, you know? Yeah, you change up your wardrobe on the cheap. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, like, Um, that's why I I definitely would was wondering about the chicken before the egg at first. But then I was like, people of, like, shoe culture, it, 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 like, comes with, like... The dancing too, you know what I mean? Like the break sure. dancing, like you always have on some fresh kicks while you're break dancing, you know what I mean? Like you always want to look super fly and like I, I know that in Maine for some weird fucking reason no one got that memo and we all like a lot yeah. of people up here just like dress like fucking homeless people all the time. Um, which is because f- they're clothes, dude. They're just fucking clothes. They're just clothes. Nobody cares. They're just clothes. They don't care. Stop up here. making it about you. They don't care. They're just clothes. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't care up here. And that's, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? But it's also like, uh, it has to do with like where you're oh, from. Right. And like a lot of cities, yeah. like you can't stand out unless you, you're a fly. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many fucking people like that. It's just like, you want to stand out. You want to be different. You know what I mean? You got to like, you got to like come correct, you know? <laughs> I've been I've been to I've been to a city before once or twice. Uh, let's talk about tougher Meech, than leather. Oh, by the way, I, Meech just said, uh, and he's from the Bronx, so this is the most valid statement ever. Sure. Having nice sneakers in New York City is something that you learn as quick as elementary school. <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Uh, I think that's fascinating that that's the case as far back as as 1984, 1985, 1986 when this record. I mean, came like, out, right? yeah, a hundred percent. Like, yeah. My mom, when there was still, when there was still literally pounds of garbage on the streets, <laughs> New York hey, City. I mean, um, but... <laughs> I mean, like, yo, like you just step over it. But like, my mom, right. my mom's from like you know Manhattan, and like even she's like True. always kind of been like, she's True. not. Drew, 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 run DMC. We got to stop talking about shoes. We got to move on. I swear to God. Okay, <laughs> tougher than leather. I'm sorry. 1988. I it was interesting conversation. <laughs> well, you were wrong. Okay, they're just shoes. Oh my god! Um, Bryce just doesn't get the Adidas. He just doesn't get the three stripe life, dude. I'm just in the background, just enjoying the conflict here. <laughs> this is how we roll, man. This is how we roll. You're wrong that I do not get the Adidas. I don't get 
any fucking shoes, okay? Just put them on and wear them. I don't care what they look like. I don't care at all at, about I any mean, of it. You're going to say please. that until one day you're walking down the street in New York or something like that, and some dude just comes up and starts roasting you for your fucking your four-year-old <laughs> Doc Martens, whatever the fuck you're wearing. Bro, bro, I'm going to say, you know what? Uh, please, would you like to talk to me about Tougher Than Leather, 1988, from Run DMC? Uh, this album is magnificent uh it feels like you're at an awesome party and everyone's just like passing the mic around uh throughout this album this is the album that i bought because i fucking love this record uh stem to stern just like the last one this one and uh the last record that we talked about raising hell are the ones that i'm like what the fuck but this one specifically is the one for me that i was like this is fucking amazing gem master j just fucking pops off on every track on this record mm-hmm. from the get-go he's he's on fire through the whole thing and it's it's unbelievable um in a sort of much more interesting way than king of rock where like here is where he's most effectively using the time where if he has any extra time where there's not rapping he's bringing in some sort of other element that isn't there before oh yeah uh, no, i, I love my... the shit out of this record this one's probably my favorite yeah. run dmc record in which really if you listen to the production and just run and dmc's like very more shouty almost more aggressive presentation on this record you could argue mm-hmm. this is like the prototype to like the east coast hardcore hip-hop movement it wasn't quite yeah. there yet but the energy that was there it still stemmed from the uh raising hell but i think was a little bit more focused the energy mm-hmm. was a bit more consistent throughout and just it was just non-stop in your face tougher tougher than leather like yeah it's it's there to fucking hit you in the face and it did just that no i agree a hundred percent like it really feels like they just uh you know that the they really broke in those adidas sneakers you know what i mean bryce (laughs) fuck you Uh, my favorite tracks from the record, Mary Mary, I think is uh, great. I think that hook is amazing. Mary Mary, why you bugging? Uh, I think it's fucking great. Papa Crazy, I think is a great uh, record. Uh, tougher Than Leather on the title track, they basically invent Rage Against the Machine sound for them. Pretty much. And then like move on. Like, oh, we did it, but like, whatever. We don't need to base a whole fucking band on it. You know what I mean? It's wild. They call us Run DMC. I love the energy right. of that track, uh, yeah. the title track, and also uh, I'm Not Going Out Like That. Just that, yeah. the way that that sample hook thing goes, it should annoy me, but it's perfect the way that Jam just does it. Right. Uh, Miss Elaine? Uh, it's just a beautiful, cute little story about uh, playful statutory rape. That was the one where I was like, oh, man, the 80s. <laughs> remember? Yeah, remember. Um, I remember. Leopard <laughs> <laughs> uh, Farm remembers. Uh, Ragtime on this record is so, uh, man, if you don't listen to that thing and just feel the uh the influence on like hamilton and stuff like that from ragtime it's it's so oh, yeah. it's wild yeah dude. It it's really wild is. uh that he takes this sort of ragtime thing puts this beat under it and then it's this very sort of like again all i could think through the whole thing was the hamilton reference because it's it's very 
like it's almost direct. You could take that song out and put it in that show, and it'd be there. It's it's funny too um, because like I, I since I wasn't so familiar with DMC's catalog, like I didn't right. notice those like hat tips in Hamilton, right. but like now I do. Yeah. Plus, obviously Nas and you know right. all the uh, like Jay Z and all that. Like I mean, right. obviously all those are there too. I mean, not going completely off topic with Hamilton, but like. It's crazy, man. Like they really did their research, like so much with that, and you start to see it too. Like, hey, they went all the way back. Like they went to DMC, sure. you know. Sure. Like, so, anyways, yeah. yeah. Uh, Christmas and Hollis is included on the extended version of this record, but it's not. I believe it was initially just a single, um, for a, a holiday tune that they put out. I may be wrong about that, but I, I will admit I didn't listen to that. I just listened to all the standard versions. I didn't listen to the expanded ones. So Goose mm-hmm. said that Christmas and Hollis is her favorite Christmas song of all time. Christmas and Hollis is really, really funny. Uh, yeah. Really, really cool. Uh, this is apparently based on kind of, kind of a true story. Uh, Jim Master Jay was like a fucking Christmas head, apparently, according to uh, the documentary that we'll talk about later. Um, apparently, he had a Christmas where he just bought everyone in his family a car. Um, because he just loved that shit. That was like his jam was, uh, doing Christmas stuff. And so Christmas and Hollis is this really, uh, sort of funny song about encountering, uh, Santa Claus in hall. And it's the kind of thing that could only exist in hip hop in the eighties while like parents just don't understand is also on the radio and stuff like that. Right. Where like hip hop, like kind of feels secure in what it's doing enough to just be fucking really silly on the radio. And this song is really silly. Yeah. Um, and I dig that. I do. I do um, miss that quality a lot too. From the eighties is like that you could be yeah. more silly and it wasn't taken so seriously. Because like, well, I feel like I f- that's the radio in general. Because rock and roll has that same issue. Not to single out hip hop, uh, but like the the playfulness of this Run DMC catalog is maybe the thing that sticks out the most. Yeah. In that it's like it's like oh man it's oh remember when music was about having fun, uh, and it's just it's not. For- just rocking the party, just that's literally what Run DMC did best. They have this whole vibe to them in the 80s, and the 80s is like they're like Queen, where like the 70s catalog is like fucking incredible, like all the albums are great, and then you move to the 80s and they kind of suck. Um, and then <laughs> they have that one like good album in the 90s, uh, and then Freddie Mercury dies, right? Uh, and then they're never anything worth talking about again. Um, but Run DMC have, but as MCs have this incredible just vibe to them. Like they think they're cool. They're kind of dorky in reality, but they're not concerned with being tough or profound or anything other than just like having fun and rocking the mic. And it's difficult for me. This is another chicken egg thing where I'm like, is this what 80s rap was like? Or is this just what Run DMC was like and everybody copied them? And so it seems like that's what 80s rap is like. You know what I mean? Yeah, 80s rap tends to be a lot more uh, free-flowing, a bit more just kind of lackadaisical. But it's it's not overly concerned. Like, the stuff in the 90s is kind of overly concerned with talking about social issues from the street Mm -hmm. and representing life on the street and sounding dangerous and exciting in that way, in the way that, like, a gangster movie does or something like that, right? Yeah. That's what the act is. In the 80s, 
I mean, we're talking about these guys are on the radio at the same time as the Beastie Boys, because they would tour with the Beastie Boys, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time as DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince are making records over in Philadelphia, right? And so, like, and all of these artists, the thing that they share in common is that, like, they're they're allowed to be, they're kind of dorky. 100%. Like, and not... Not even in a, like, in hindsight, they're kind of dorky, but at the time, they must have thought they were killers. Like, at the time, they they were singing about kind of dorky shit, but they were having fun, and yeah. that's, what, that's yeah. what's different about that era of hip-hop, and is something that I think all genres could add a little bit more. Of. I mean, yeah. to be honest, though, like, that's always been there with hip-hop. Like, sure. it's sure. just, um... You, what the radio chooses to push as well, right? So I like, mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, so, like, even today, like, there's still the dorky rappers, you know, there's still the ones that aren't really, like, bangers, you know, like, gangbangers right. and stuff. Like, obviously, gangster rap just kind of felt unheard and unrepresented, which mm-hmm. is why that kind of came out a little after Run. But, right. I mean, I don't know, like, everyone kind of respects Run because, like, um... They do talk about like hood shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, yeah, they do. Specifically with the next album, Back from Hell, yeah. in 1990, mm-hmm. is, is where things begin to change. Like, you can really feel that they're starting to be surrounded by uh, uh, NWA and by Dr. Dre and by Ice uh, T uh, and all. Ice T and by. Um, uh Public enemy. dog they eventually end up talking about tupac on one of their records like the, the, the their their contemporaries sort of change what music is and run is like yeah sure i can do that yeah but they don't really <laughs> no they don't though i i not to that degree i'm i'm not here to say that run dmc is like as talented a flow artist as fucking tupac or anything like that cuz cuz i think there is like definitely a whole other voice there but i don't think the stuff from the 90s is terrible i don't like it as much as the stuff from the 80s but i don't think the stuff in the 90s yeah. is terrible yeah uh it's changed a lot he's harder on this record it's less about having fun uh there's more talk about the black experience he's generally more aggressive throughout um but again it's hard to tell if this is him changing as a person or him adapting to the times i think it's probably him adapting to the times yeah. um as we saw through other rappers at that time. Uh, the album, I thought, Back From Hell specifically, 1990, uh, pretty good throughout, uh, but has less standout tracks for me. Sucker yeah. DJs, Naughty, and Living in the City are the three that I think are... Yeah, it, it definitely but. was trying to shift with the times as hip-hop in the mainstream was getting more toward the street angle, gangster rap. And you could hear it in the lyrics, too, where they mm-hmm. try to be a little bit more, like you said, the black experience, the street life, right. and things of that sort, and even there's a lot of religious references in here too. It kind of gets almost well because too because in a way, Run is at this point becoming a pastor, right? But like it just bleeds through to a point where it just kind of becomes. And I think the reason why this record doesn't quite work for me is it doesn't seem more like a genuine experience of the streets, but more like a weird PSA about this thing from. <laughs> yeah like some people slightly on the outside of it that haven't really been in this for a while now, right? but they're trying to act in this sort of environment and it just doesn't come off as well. What I will say is the production. I did like that quite a bit. I think Jay, I think Jay adapts pretty well. And even I know the new Jack swing influence on a few of those songs 
was mm-hmm. was kind of a sound that was a little bit criticized at first. But personally, I think Jam, I think Jay, uh, was pretty much the standout on here. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Run and DMC just kind of came off, like I said, just kind of like acting PSA. It just didn't come off genuine. It was kind of a weird left turn for them lyrically, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't coming off fun. It wasn't like really there for me. You didn't feel like they were in their comfort zone. Right. Changing to this new kind of sound. Right. Where the next album, which we'll talk in a minute, I think did a yeah. much better job about that. Down with the King, 1993. I thought this album was great. Yeah. Uh, not, not. I mean, again, I don't think it touches the 80s stuff, but uh, I think the album slaps. Uh, again, I from stem to, stem to Stern. I think of this sort of like second run DMC era, I'm like, this record's great. Yeah, no, um, it definitely has more. It also has much more collaborations too on the production end. It's def- It has correct. a lot more collaborative producers. It has Q-Tip. It has... On the production end, but he's also Onyx is on this record a yeah. couple of times, and a couple of other MCs end up coming in and mm-hmm. doing some stuff. Tom Morello's it's, on it's, here, right? It's good. It's you know, it's a fun record, uh, but it is sort of carrying forth this sort of idea that like, yeah, I'm gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a little, uh, you know, tougher. I'm gonna remind people that I'm from. We Queens did tougher shit, than leather. You know? you know what I'm saying? Right. We did tougher than leather. We can do tougher yeah, than leather know. '90s style. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they have Italian accents. Uh, uh, <laughs> from New York. Uh, we all have Italian yeah. accents in New York. Hey, hey. Oh. Also, Meech, Meech mentioned, too, uh, from the last one that you were talking about, that uh, apparently they were dealing with other raptor- rappers after a while. I don't know exactly mm. what he means by that. I'm thinking maybe, like, kind of means, like. He's probably talking about the next record. Uh, yeah. which we'll talk about in a yeah. minute. And Jam uh, Master Jay, actually, if we're talking historically, too, after this record, uh, Jay actually had his own label, which featured Onyx on it, because he produced Slam, which was the big hit for them, amongst other artists. I don't remember all of them, but I do know that was a big thing. Slam Slam is a fucking banger. Slam slams. <laughs> it does exactly what it says it is. Uh, the vi- I found the vibe on the record just was awesome, and mm-hmm. I loved listening to this record. Down with the King, the title track, I think is fucking just sick. Oh yeah, right as uh, as the kickoff to the thing that right, is just fucking. Right. Ooh. Uh, can I get it, yo? I think was pretty great. Come on, everybody! Hilarious, mostly because there's no comma in the title. Yep. Um, <laughs> ooh, what you gonna do? I think is awesome, and was one of the songs that. Uh, uh, a bunch of these songs from this, you can tell that this record's pretty well regarded without doing much research because yeah. uh, a bunch of these songs ended up on the greatest hits album yeah. Yeah. as well. I also, um, I also enjoyed uh big, I also enjoyed uh big Willie, which had uh, the Tom Morello guitar features in there. I really liked his work right. on there. And then also, uh, uh, what was the last song on the record? I had on the playlist here. Um, I really enjoyed that one, too, if I could just remember off the top of my head. This is what happens when you have a ten-and-a-half-hour shift on a day job. Yeah, I'm, 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 starting to, I'm starting to get a little drowsy, too. I think the Moderna is making me kind of groggy or something. We've only got one more album to talk about, and that's Crown Royal in 2001. Crown, <laughs> Crown, Crown Royal is what one might call an and-friends record, mm-hmm. uh, which is henceforth how we will refer to these types of projects in the future on this show, because that's the personal vernacular that I use for this I, I refer to this project as a run solo record 
guised as a run DMC record because DMC Oh really? Yeah, because DMC is actually only on like three songs and like barely really there because during the 90s after Down with the King he actually had I can't remember what it was called it was something that happened with his vocal cords where Probably a polyp. He probably had a polyp. Well, it was like a spasmodic uh, oh, wow. something like it was it was because of like his very shouty rap delivery and also the fact right. that he was an alcoholic during this time Big too. Time. so it had a major sure, effect sure. on his vocals yeah. he was also going through suicidal depression during the recording of this so he was like protesting going on this record because he didn't want to do more of the rock rap stuff he actually wanted to go softer yeah. like a like more influenced by like bob dylan some like mm-hmm. some of like softer rock kind of stuff and run and run was like no fuck you we're going more like rap rock than ever and Mm -hmm. pretty much he's on he's on the hook of crown royal he doesn't have his own verse he has a verse on i poppy with fat joe in which i could barely even recognize it was him like the recording is so so low and muddy that and also just his verse wasn't that great to begin with and then simmons incorporated right at the end he has I'm guessing like chopped down vocals because I couldn't recognize that was him either. It's pretty much run throughout the majority of the record. Uh, Jam Master J has some co-producers and it's just a bunch of guest artists. It's really a run record. I wonder if that's the reason why there's so many guests on the thing. The guests, of course, include Nas, Prodigy, Jermaine Dupree. Nas. Nas? Nas. Yeah, do not mispronounce Nas. (laughs) Nas. Man, I really wish we could go through Nas so you could learn about Nas, but... Uh, on, on the record is Nas, uh, Prodigy, Jermaine Dupree, Fred Durst, Kid Rock, Everlast, Sugar Ray, uh, Chris Davis. I, what is Chris Davis? I don't for? remember. <laughs> I didn't. Made. I didn't uh, honestly bother to check that. J- Jagged Edge, Fat Joe, and Method Man. I'm gonna pronounce that man's name however I fucking please. Um, a virtual who's. <laughs> of mainstream hip hoppers uh, at the time, all generally doing songs about how great Run DMC is, uh, both currently and historically. On paper, it sounds dubious. In execution, I liked it, uh, but uh, definitely more spotty than other records, and it mm-hmm. definitely doesn't feel like a Run DMC record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, the thing with Crown Royal was that, like I said, it was pretty much a Run record, um, because right. DMC was just really absent throughout it, and it yeah. was actually supposed, it was started in the late 90s, because uh, you can tell, like, where some of that more East Coast stuff, like, uh, like the Queen Story track, the Simmons Incorporated, those were actually like the first two singles, and those were released in like 98 and 99. And then right. they decided, uh, well, Run, really, uh, Rev Run, decided to go more into the rap rock area. So a lot mm-hmm. of the singles after that were more in that new metal vein, in which I'll give the one with uh, Kid Rock some credit. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be terrible. Uh, but I liked I liked to take the money and run. Oh, I hated uh, which that is one. Kinda, which <laughs> is kind of this. I liked it because of uh, the. I really liked the melody work in it. I yeah. liked that it was really trying to mix in this sort of strange su- southern rock hip hop sound in a way that I think is more effective than the way that 
Kid Rock tends to do it. Yeah, um, I mean that's fair. Personally, I, I didn't like it as much because uh, I I'm not a huge Everlast fan to begin with. Sure. So like yeah. his, his vocals when he was singing it, like I already know the original song. So hearing him doing it like in a much like more gravelly voice and like skipping oh. like a second before like instead of like go on take the money and run he's like right go on take the money run. like it just sounds right. like a chain smoker like whispering <laughs> in my ear and i'm like <laughs> to me like if this was advertised as a rev run solo record it would be okay sure. but you're advertising sure. it as a run dmc project and dmc right. is hardly on here and jam jam master j I don't know what exactly his contribution was to this record beat-wise, because there's a bunch of co-producers as well. Similar to right. Down With The King, but just not incorporated in the same way. So right. it, it just kind of Well, came I agree. As, I yeah. mean, I, I I had the same issue forever with the, the Queen Plus records, Queen Plus Paul Rogers, yeah. right? It's like, okay, but by which you mean two guys from Queen. Yeah. And then, literally half of the band. Yeah, <laughs> and Paul Rogers. So Guns like, and Roses, it is... Chinese democracy. Literally, Axel and right. like I don't know, fourteen years worth of studio musicians. Buckethead or, or is on two t- tracks, I think. Yeah, and, like any time the Who has put out a record in the last thirty years. Or whatever, oh God, right? I keep forgetting so... that they do put out stuff occasionally. <laughs> I don't because I just pretend it doesn't happen. The last sort of thing worth watching is uh, the Netflix uh, documentary Who Killed Jam Master J. Uh, if you're looking for kind of like an overview on uh, Run DMC, uh, but then also talking about that crime, which I guess they just recently were able to charge people with, although the documentary says that they hadn't done that yet, um, uh, from his death in 2002, 2001, something like literally like right after Crown Royal. Yeah, it was only um, a couple shot. months after Crown Royal, and I think Jam Master J was also helping 50 Cent with recording a project at the time. And Yeah, he, like, discovered 50 Cent for JMJ. Yeah, and, and, that, and um, yeah, that was before, like, that was before Eminem and Dr. Dre, like, hopped on and got him. It was right. funny story about 50 during that time period is that he really was just down to talk shit about everybody and threatening robbing them and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, that was literally then, how he got big. Yeah. <laughs> How to Rob. Yeah. He literally name-checked, like, 50-some-odd rappers, and everyone's like, who the fuck is this asshole? Like, when you think of gangster <laughs> rap, and you if you don't mention 50 Cent, you're insane, because the dude is literally, like, the pinnacle of a criminal. <laughs> like, 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 talk shit about his later discography, because, honestly, it does right. suck. But you talk about, like, right. his early 2000s stuff and the mixtape stuff before his, oh, his debut record. Oh, his mixtape shit is so banging, dude. It's it insane. is so good. <laughs> it is so goddamn All right. good. All right. All right, all right. We've come to the point in the show. How many slaps, guys? Out of five, how many slaps run DMC? Greg? Uh, are we doing half stars or full stars? No, it's a five-point scale, goddammit. All right, I'm going to go with uh, four slaps out of five. Oh, nice. Nice. Drew, how many slaps? I'm going to go four as well. Okay, okay. I'm going to go five slaps out of five. Uh, I think uh, the the pedigree of this artist alone is enough to get five slaps out of five. I had no idea that they were like, hey, you know, like every success you could possibly have in the industry. Yeah, we did it first for this. That's genre. why I gave it four slaps. Um, actually, is because of that. Because sure. like it would just be normal. Yeah. It would just be three for me if it wasn't for the pedigree that comes along with it. Like for for me, if it was just the '80s discography, I'd probably give it a five. But unfortunately, it did last a little longer than that, and we cannot ignore what happened afterward. That's that's <laughs> where I'm going to with it. Is like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like their their heyday five. 
the the back end of the it late four like bring us down like yeah. to four those three records king of rock raising hell and tougher than leather mm-hmm. maybe with the inclusion of the first self-titled record oh as well, dude self-titled's got to be in there because it's just like yeah. the sounds like it's like they knew it they were yeah. going for that boom bap, like they're just like yeah. just like you're thinking like some dude like Slamming his hand down and then hitting like a pen, you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. I mean, I, I mean personally, that one's my least favorite of the four, and I'd still give that one like at least a three and a half, yeah, out of five of or something like that, yeah. or my scare like a seven and a half out of ten. I like, I still like the record a lot. Yeah, I had an absolute blast listening through this artist this week. I thought it was an excellent suggestion. Thank you, Drew. Um, but I, I'd, uh, I'd give him five slaps because if we were as far as like hip hop versions of hip-hop that i like this was everything that i like in hip-hop because i'm more of the old school stuff and then just like so much more with the heavy rock elements and stuff like that it totally it was for me uh and i love that um maybe that says something about me i don't know uh let's pick an artist for next week i don't know if you guys uh have suggestions Here's here's an artist I want to throw out. Kind of a big artist. I don't know if you guys have any uh, uh, knowledge of his catalog. Uh, Long pause. Here's what, here's what I want. Here's what I want to. Say. I was looking for the correct word. I think I found it. Here's what I want to say. Um, Stevie Wonder. Uh, that's actually a good one. I know, like, I know some of the hits. I mean, for God's sake, I had right. I had a couple of them right in, right in my wedding playlist. Of course, I was going to add them right. on there. But uh, as far as, like, albums, I've always intended to listen to them, and I just never get around to it because I always listen to, like, five to six new releases every goddamn week. Right, right. I've had a couple of them on vinyl when mm-hmm. I was younger from my parents that I listened to, so. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I included him because uh, I think we should stay away uh, from doing another hip hop artist. I think we should move to another genre. Oh, dude, I totally agree. agree. Let's try and pick a different genre this um, week. We'll, we'll circle back around after we've touched some so other. So, does anybody else have suggestions? I believe in episode zero, I did mention a a uh, black gaze band called Death Haven. Okay. They're like black metal, shoegaze, fusion. They aren't the first to do it, but they were ones that really kind of made it popularized in the 2010s with their album Sunbather. Um, mm-hmm. And they have they have four albums, so it's a decent-sized discography to uh, digest, especially since their songs tend to be on the longer end of things, so it's not just... Uh, it's not like prog metal, like multi-passage shit like that, but um, it... it I know that it's a band that usually tends to be pretty high regarded, sometimes even polarizing, depending on who you ask in the metal scene, mm-hmm. because the genre itself, I mean, black metal tends to have a lot of purist uh, gatekeepers, but the band themselves, I've always been interested in checking out just because they have, it sounds like each album does have that signature black gaze sound, but it does dabble a lot in different post-rock elements that I think would be right. very interesting to see where it progressed since like album one. Sure. Sure. I don't think that's a bad suggestion. Drew, do you have uh, any, uh, thing? You guys going through the discography of glory hammer by chance? No, I have not gone through the, is that a power metal band? Hammer. It's, um, 
Let's let's pull up the Wikipedia really fast here because I've heard the name, but I cannot tell you for the life of me that I I've heard any of their music. So hey, it's a good contender here. So here we go. Um, let me backstory really fast, right? Sean and I are car are in my car on a way to a show with Sonic Libido. I do remember you guys mentioning this. Sean dove into him a bit. Like he's actually done some exploration. Yeah, he not, does however. that. He does. However, so let me just go ahead and give you like the, the rundown here. Um, Sean and I are just like we're on like a metal Spotify playlist uh, ra- or a Spotify metal radio. And we're just trying to see if we can find and discover new metal bands. And we're just like having a tough go at it. Like a lot a lot of them are kind of like, Ooh, that's a nice breakdown. Like we're kind of like stank facing a bit or like this or that out of nowhere. It, it took a second to queue it up. But I looked down at my. Uh, my my center dash thing on my car, and it says song name, Glory Hammer. Artist, Glory Hammer. Album, Glory Hammer. And I looked at Sean, and he looked at it too, and we looked at each other, and we're like, what the fuck's about to happen? Boom! First words, Glory Hammer! And it just, like, goes into this, like, super weird, dorky, like, it's it's referred to as symphonic power metal, and Anglo-Swiss symphonic power metal and they basically all right so here's the rundown i have wikipedia up glory hammond glory hammer <laughs> off often glory hammond often stylized uh, often stylized in all capital letters glory hammer is an anglo swiss symphonic power metal band founded by keyboardist christopher bows lead vocalist of the band ailstorm each member of the band represents a character in the story concept the band appears on stage in armor and costumes to represent their respective characters. I did not expect Ailstorm to be somewhere in this, but continue. <laughs> it's like, it's like History. History. Glory Hammer released their debut album, Tales from the Kingdom of Fife, through Napalm Records on March 29th, 2013. Prior to the release of the album, the single Anglis Fife was released through Napalm Records YouTube channel on March 7th, 2013. The band released videos on the Napalm Records official YouTube channel for Universe of Fire on August 8th, 2015. They released music. All right, so that's just history. I'm about to say, um, how big is their discography? Because it sounds like if their debut was 2013, it's, it's three records it's, long. Uh, they have three records. Uh, they're on, big, though. They're really big records. And uh, they're the, fairly big. But the lore behind it also is really big. So, no. like, we could do a deep dive on that, technically. It's like, cool. It does, uh, doing a deep dive on, on the uh, fake lore behind this metal band isn't really something I'm super interested in doing as much as talking about their music, uh, personally. I, you know, I love the theatrics and everything like that, but I'm not really like, let's learn a bunch about Glory Hammer. Sure. Uh, I'm about to say, if we were doing one with a band that has, like, a bunch of mythos and theatrics to it, we would just do Guar. Yeah, it would be a Guar episode. Well, I, yeah, of course. And, and, I don't know Guar, where... actually, so. I don't really know Guar either. Do you know Guar at all, Bryce? Guar is a potential a potential candidate. Here's why I'm saying stuff like that. Uh, the reason why I'm saying, I think uh, for this first run of episodes, we should definitely try to focus on choosing bands that maybe people in our audience would have some uh understanding about and stuff like that right yeah. um yeah 100%. Uh, and then as much as i like both of the suggestions that you guys gave i think those are things that we should save for like 
episode 13 and episode uh, 25 and stuff like it, like things that are a little further out. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. I get That's it. Fair but, yeah. Can me... we go back to Guar here for a second? Because of the fact that none of us have actually. Yeah. No one has dove into Guar before. <laughs> and like, they're so fucking dumb and goofy, like on, on face value. Like, like from just like the outside looking in, I'm just like, this is the dumbest shit. Right. Like. As a meme, like me and my buddy almost went to a Guar show, yeah, like four years ago, and then we just were like, nah, yeah, like yeah. fuck that, like. But dude, like it's always been that that vibe of just nah, fuck it, I'm not gonna get into that shit, like. Yeah. But forcing myself to get into Guar for this week would be the funniest <laughs> shit. They have because, 14 like, goddamn albums. They do. They yeah. do. That would be more of a general discussion yeah. situation because 100%. they have a lot of albums. 100%. But yeah, that, I mean, as, if we're going to do a band like Guar or Glory Hammer or P. Lander Z is a lot of the same kind of stuff, right? Where it's like very, it's about having this theatrical show. The Aquabats are very much like that as well. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, I think P. Lander's, I think uh, uh, Guar is. Guar is an excellent suggestion. Yeah, I'm actually <laughs> totally down to do Guar. Um, I'm just looking I'm back down at my with list Guar. that I had for like uh, uh, episode zero. Um, if we were doing a different artist as well. Um, right. Do, 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 do. Um, honestly, I would be totally down for Guar. Is that that yeah, seem like a consensus? Think... Yeah. yeah, I yeah. have. I, <laughs> I have. I have other people on this list, but I'll fucking save them because I think Guar is the right yeah. choice. And I, Guar, love, I got a few Guar other ones right. too, which I think could easily transition for like, okay, we're not going to do another metal artist. We should do like right. a fucking pop one artist thing or some I'm, shit like that. One thing I'm particularly loving about this show so far is that both of the suggestions so far were not something people brought in. It's just what came up in conversation. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I am having a blast doing this show. Uh, thank you guys for uh, for indulging me uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and making this show happen with me. I don't know if I've ever had as much fun on a podcast as I am talking about uh these musical artists on this podcast and i hope that uh that translates uh, to the people at home um thank you for joining us on this uh wonderful adventure we'll be back next week with volume two guar uh, oh boy <laughs> uh please subscribe to the show tell your friends share it around all that shit as we always say on this show music is better with friends but for now until next time your new favorite band is out there you just got to go and find them. <laughs>